Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode number 14 of the Warning Track Power podcast with your baseball guys, Jake and Chris. And it's been uh, a week, well, six days since we talked. We recorded on Tuesday last, and uh, it's Monday now, so it's uh, it's been a, a little bit of time, not as long as uh, normal or you know, sometimes we go, but uh, there's been a good bit that's gone on uh, throughout MLB uh, in terms of uh, some milestones being hit, um, lots of injury updates uh, in our new segment. Uh, we got some uh, just recaps of our of our teams, and we got a new set of power rankings for all you guys listening. So we will jump into that. But first, Chris, how are you? What is your uh, you know your uh, impression of the league? over the past week and uh you know we're 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 almost in september it's august 30th we got about a month to go yeah yeah i think we've been saying it for a couple weeks now we're like the homes this is the home stretch and Mm -hmm. but it's very much true now you know two days away from and anyone listening to this you know one day or or less away from the start of september um and we're starting to get some separation actually looking at the standings here which is something I do pretty regularly, but sometimes it's like, it's been a few days and I, I don't realize exactly how things measure up. And mm-hmm. we're starting to get some separation uh, in some of these divisions where I'm kind of wondering at this point, how many division races and playoff races are actually going to be all that close. Right. Not to say that they won't be, there won't be some, because there's always a few, Yeah. but it seems like it might only be a couple because, you know, you have, I'm just, just skimming this here, the AL East, there's a six game lead for the Rays. Mm-hmm. AL Central, we know the White Sox have got that locked down uh, double digit game lead in that, yeah. in that division. Um, yeah. The AL West is separated by five plus games. The NL East is separated by four and a half games, eight yeah. and a half in the NL Central. And the only one that's where there's a, the first and second place team are separated by less than four and a half games is the NL West, which of mm-hmm. course that's going to be a fun race to the wire, but uh, oh, yeah you know, it's, it's going to, I feel like we're really going to be able to hone in on a couple races in the final weeks here, because it may only be a few playoff spots that are really up for grabs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's, uh, you know, it's coming to that time where these play, these teams in second place have to make a push, you know, we've been, yeah. like you said, and I think at the end of the show last week, it's kind of that, you know, time where, it would be good if these, you know, X, Y, Z team turned it around, you know, pretty soon. Now it's like, they got to turn it around now or they're, you know, missing out on the playoffs or they're missing out on home field advantage or whatever. So we're pretty much at that, at that point. I think I counted it up after this week of games that we have, at least for the white Sox, they have, they only have eight series left. So Mm. they teams are running out of time. If they're looking to make a push or make a, make a run at, you know, a division title, a wild card spot, uh, home field advantage in their in their league, whatever. So, um, but let's let's jump into our uh, our news uh, items for the week. And uh, to start it off, we have a guy that we actually haven't talked about in uh, a few shows now. Uh, we talked about him a lot surrounding the All Star Game and the Home Run Derby. Um, but Chris Shohei Otani is at it again, doing more crazy uh, stuff this time with the bat. Yeah, that's right. He he reached a big milestone the other day on Saturday night. He became 
he reached 40 homers and 20 steals. He reached those, those key marks. And uh, with that, some history, he became the first Angels player ever to do that in a season, 40 plus homers, 20 plus steals. Yeah. He's also the first Japanese born player to do that in a season. So some major history for him right there. Um, yeah. You know, like you mentioned, we hadn't talked about him in a while, yeah. which meant that, you know, I, I think, you know, we all kind of maybe taking it, I don't mean you and me, but just generally, right. We're just sort of like, this is who he is now. And so there wasn't even like a need to, to mention it, that he could, his success has just continued. Yeah, um, basically at, at the pace, you know, he's he's on the mound. He's been incredibly dominant in particular. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we talk about his batting, reach, reaching those offensive stats, right. leading the American League in slugging. Um, his bat hasn't slowed down at all. Mm-hmm. And then particularly the pitching, because that's been the one where it kind of seems like, you know, I, I still sort of wondered a little bit. Is he a, you know, is he a really like an elite elite guy? Is he mm-hmm. maybe like a 3.8 ERA guy? Like, well, what is it? And he's been... I mean, incredibly dominant on the mound. I think his ERA is back to three on the season, but, yeah. uh, you know, just, just fantastic. Um, you know, he's, you know, on an inning by inning basis, obviously he doesn't have the, the total cumulative pitching stats because he's going every sixth day and he's had a few missed starts here and there, but on a start by start basis, we're still talking about a top 15 pitcher in baseball yeah um and you combine that with a guy who's you know offensive profile is top five in baseball you know Mm -hmm. i'm just kind of spitballing and it's just he's just continuing to to do this to have this historical run it's you know you run out of words to describe what he's doing but yeah we're reaching the point in the season where he's reaching these like these marks where it's not just like oh look at his performance it's like oh well that's leading to him reaching 40 homer 20 steals like we're seeing the the cumulative numbers get there and and the pitching as well yeah absolutely i'm reading uh kind of the the class of players that he's joining with this 40 20 season um he is just the third american league player to hit 40 homers and 20 steals before september 1st um the only other players to do that were alex rodriguez and ken griffey jr um, he's also just the fourth player since 2010 to record a uh, 40 20 season, along with uh, Christian Yelich and Ronald Acuna Jr. in 2019, Ryan Braun in 2012, and Curtis Granderson in 2011. And it's just the, four, uh, the 32nd 40 20 season uh, of all time. So it's, it's elite company that uh, Otani has found himself in. Uh, with the season and on the mound, I mean, he's, he's as good or even better uh, than he is with the bat. So it's just, you know, reminds you, you know, we're seeing something that we've never seen before. You know, he's got a 161 OPS plus 61% better than uh, league average with the bat and a 153 ERA plus 53% better than league average on the mound. So it's substantially better, you know, uh, on both sides of the ball. And like you said, Chris, we're running out of words to describe Otani, but uh, just mark this down as another, uh, another milestone in his uh, hopefully lengthy career in, in MLB. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, hopefully he's a guy who's able to, you know, we know he's had a couple of injury situations, you know, missed a start mm-hmm. here or there, but generally speaking, he's been healthy this year, which has allowed yeah. him to reach those marks. And I mean, you know, we've seen it, you know, if he could do something like this for, 
you know, five or six seasons. I mean, I know that's a big ask and we're maybe getting a little ahead of ourselves, but if he's able to remain relatively healthy here over the next few seasons, it can put together multiple of these kind of, you know, performances, uh, you know, we're going to be talking about some really elite company just on a cumulative stats basis that way. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, another milestone has been hit uh, by another young phenom. This one, had, this player was called up uh, earlier this season. We covered his call up. And Chris, uh, what, are, what are we talking about? Yeah, we're talking about Tampa Bay Rays rookie infielder Wander Franco, of course, who was a uh, top prospect in Major League Baseball. And, and you mentioned we talked about him when he got called up. Mm-hmm. Um, and he got off to, he had a good first couple games, and then he really was struggling with the bat for a, a series of weeks there where he just wasn't putting it all together. And we'd seen a number of top prospects this year, you know, and last year who yeah. would kind of come up and it wouldn't click immediately, which mm-hmm. of course that's not surprising, but more than we'd seen in the past, you know, we've yeah. kind of gotten used to success off the bat. Right. And we've seen more examples of guys who it takes a little longer. And mm-hmm. it seemed like Franco was going to be one of those guys, but the Rays stuck with him. They didn't, you know, send him back down after a few bad weeks. And now he's really gotten it going and maybe a little bit below the radar too, because he isn't like hitting eight home runs in a week or something to get everybody's attention, mm-hmm. but he's reached base in 29 straight games somewhat quietly. Um, yeah. And uh, it's the, the longest streak in a single season by an AL player, 20 years old or younger. Uh, he's closing wow. in on uh, the uh, he's oh sorry yeah he's closing in on the longest streak in AL history for a player under 21. Uh, Mickey yeah. Mantle had that uh, 36 straight on base uh, streak from 1951 to 52. Uh, so he's hitting 270 now, six homers in 51 games. 21 of his 55 hits have been extra base hits. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, he's looking like a the you know the the star talent that everybody thought he could be, and uh, a big part of the race success. As we're you know going to talk about them later on, uh, still with a huge lead, uh, even over the surging Yankees in the AL East. Yeah, I was looking at uh, his uh, Franco's like you know last bunch of games during this streak, and uh, you know when I watched him. Uh, play against the white Sox last week as well he just hits the ball hard man yeah. when that kid makes contact it's gonna go very far very fast um because i know in the series against the white Sox, uh he went five for 14 with uh three doubles um and three rbis and he just i mean he hits the ball hard and he gets on base and he is just a tough out so um, obviously it's his rookie year. He hasn't even played 60 games yet. So it's going to be uh, interesting to, you know, see how he kind of develops and what kind of player he, he becomes, because, you know, if he's doing this now, he's going to at some point just put it all together and become, I think, a superstar for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. I, I've certainly seen a lot of, um, I was looking at the numbers here and his hard hit rate is, very, very good. Um, yeah. yeah, I've seen a lot of people talking about that, how he just, when he's showing that kind of authority, that kind of the ability to just punish the baseball, mm-hmm. he's still 20 years old. I mean, the upside 
is the sky's the limit really right absolutely absolutely i'm pulling up his uh baseball savant page and trying to take a look at his uh his uh hard hit rate and it's not showing me but uh oh here yeah 37.7 percent yeah that's pretty uh that's up there for sure yeah so anyway um yeah wander franco closing out on some history let's we'll see if he can keep it going um i do not know let's see if the rays play today they do against boston uh that game starts uh, should have started already um and, uh, yeah that one's yeah. in the middle of this in the sixth inning and it, it is, is indeed three to one rays over the red Sox, and uh, franco in this game is oh for three but yeah, uh, he's still got he's still got time to make an impact. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Long way to go in that one. But we'll move on, and uh, we got a a uh, lot of injury updates um, for you. First, we will start with um, the Phillies. Reese Hoskins. Um, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a season for for Hoskins. They called uh, he's gonna undergo season ending surgery. It was a, uh, a left groin strain, um, but uh, he will undergo surgery to repair a tear in his lower abdomen, um, which I believe is what put him on the injured list to begin with. Um, he played three games uh, since coming off the injured list, and he hit three home runs. He went three for eight with three home runs in those three games. Um, but he had a solid season. Um, he wasn't, you know, around all that much recently for the Phillies, but I mean, he batted 247 with 27 homers and 71 RBIs. And as a compliment to, uh, uh, Bryce Harper in that lineup, it was perfect, uh, perfect combination for the Phillies. Unfortunately, they'll lose him, uh, if they, for their playoff push here coming up in the next, uh, really month or so, but, uh, yeah, Reese Hoskins down for the season for Philadelphia. Yeah, I think you hit on all the big stuff. Um, you know, he's never been a high on base, a high uh, average guy, mm-hmm. but the power is very legit. As you mentioned, 27 homers and just over 100 games this year. And uh, yeah, uh, just on the bigger picture, you know, the Phillies, we were talking about him a couple weeks ago, like mm-hmm. a likely playoff team and right. uh, not so not so great right now. Um, <laughs> they took a, a big nose dive and since then they've been about 500 for the last week or so. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're still technically within striking distance, but four and a half back of a Braves team that's surging uh, and they're not going to get a wild card. I mean, there's not going to be a second NLEs team in the playoffs. So yeah. uh, one of those teams, that's a perfect example of what you said. They have to, if they're going to make a run, if they're going to challenge the Braves here, they have to do it or start that right now. And I just don't have confidence in that their ability to do that. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, I think they're a good team. I just don't think they have all of the pieces that they need to put it all together and, you know, find that, you know, extra push that they need uh, for this last month to catch the Braves, who are, I believe, four and a half up uh, Mm -hmm. on uh, Philadelphia. So we'll move to another team that just got somebody back, a team that desperately needs to turn it around. However much the Phillies need to turn it around, this team needs to turn it around 10 times as, 10 times as bad 
Um, it's San Diego Padres and it's you Darvish, Chris. Yeah, that's right. Darvish, uh, you know, had been on the injured list, uh, since August 13th due to lower back tightness. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been a, it's been a strong season for Darvish when he's been on the field, not super, super ACE level, but, but still very good. And so, yeah. Uh, the timing of him going down with injury, as you mentioned, was was not good for a Padres team that uh, continues to be in free fall, two and eight in their last 10 games. And a team that was expected to be challenging the Dodgers for the NL West title is currently more than 15 games back of yeah. the NL West lead. And, and that's <laughs> the least of their concerns because um, they've fallen out of a wild card spot. They've fallen out of the second wild card spot in the National League. Uh, Darvish is back and uh, since he's in his first start back he wasn't super great four earned runs and in six innings mm-hmm. uh, against the Dodgers <laughs> so uh, <laughs> not not ideal you know that's just one start not much to, to draw in terms of conclusions for that but mm-hmm. uh, yeah a Padres team that's gonna need him and everybody else all their other stars to kick it into high gear right now they're not super far back of the uh, Reds, they are, let's see, one and a half back of the Reds right now, as mm-hmm. of the time of this recording. Uh, so, you know, they're in free fall. They can turn this around. They have a fewer games they need to overcome compared to the, the Phillies to get a playoff spot, but uh, they got to they gotta get that going still. Yeah, no kidding. And Darvish is going to be uh, going to have to be a big part of that. Um, yeah. I'm looking at it here. His last nine starts, he has not won. Uh, a single one of those starts he's gone zero and six during that straight stretch uh with an era uh north of six and 12 home runs allowed in just over 47 innings mm. so you know coming maybe coming off the uh the il he he was able to take some time and rest up uh playing the dodgers in your first uh start back from injury is never going to be fun so we'll see what happens for him in his in his next start um he's going to have to be a big part of that, that turnaround for, um, for the Padres. Absolutely. And speaking of the Dodgers who we just mentioned here, uh, they got a big (laughs) name back Mookie Betts, who's been dealing with uh, injuries for, for much of the season, basically a nagging injury um, that he's been dealing with. I believe it's a um, hip problem a hip inflammation that had he had been on the aisle multiple times for and missed some games here and there um and this was you know these injuries sort of just becoming a thing that's you know taking him out of the lineup just as he was starting to get hot at the plate it's been Mm -hmm. kind of a down year for him but uh you know it's this is a guy who you know former mvp still one of the best players in the league and a guy that the dodgers happy to have back as they're trying as best they can uh, to make up some ground and try to win the NL West. Uh, the Giants are just not making it easy. I don't have the stat in front of me here, but it's something like the, you know, the Dodgers month of August has been very impressive record wise. Yeah. They've won like two thirds of their games or more. And mm. it just hasn't, they haven't been able to close the gap because the Giants haven't slowed down, but uh, having bets back uh, and apparently they think he can, stay on the field here, you know, that the hip injury is going to be manageable, even if it's not perfect. Uh, And having him back is going to be key for the Dodgers, whether or not they're able to close the gap on the Giants or just come playoff time. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a big uh, get for the Dodgers, a big return for them. Um, I'm looking at a Dave Roberts quote here when he talked to the media uh, yesterday, Sunday, um, 
and he kind of says, you know, we're going to, they're, they're going to manage Mookie's like, uh, you know, load and uh, mm-hmm. they're going to kind of do a, a three games on one off three on one off. And uh, then at that point, they're kind of going to see what, how he's uh, responding to that. And if, you know, some more issues flare up or anything like that, but they're definitely going to want to keep him healthy, even if they can't, uh, you know, catch the giants, they're going to want to keep him healthy because uh, he, they're going to need him in that, in that NL wildcard game, uh, whether they play San Diego or Cincinnati or whoever they play, they're, they're going to want him in that lineup. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no doubt about that. Yeah. And uh, another uh, return uh, returning player from injury is going to be Corey Kluber for the New York Yankees. He is back in the rotation going to be pitching here in just a few minutes, I believe Mm -hmm. against the angels. He's back after three months uh, on the injured list. Um, He hasn't started since May 25th uh, while dealing with a shoulder injury. He made a couple of minor league rehab starts, um, but still isn't, you know, kind of fully back to his, uh, his normal form in terms of uh, workload. Um, but Aaron Boone said they're going to give him about 65 to 75 pitches um, uh, tonight against the Angels uh, in Anaheim. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a big, uh, a big player for the Yankees to get back at this point because they can add that, add him to a rotation with Garrett Cole and Jamison Tyone. And, uh, you know, he's going to be uh, an important part of that rotation going forward for the Yankees, I think. Absolutely. You know, we know nobody's expecting him to be the Garrett Cole, that, I'm sorry, that the uh, the Corey Kluber that won two Cy Young Awards and finished a top three in four or five years. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, after basically two lost seasons in 2019 and 2020, uh, he was really sort of rounding into form uh, in this deal with the Yankees earlier this year before the injury 10 starts, a 3.04 ERA. Uh, he was really more than a strikeout per inning. You know, he wasn't incredibly dominant, but he was really, that's even misleading because early in the season, his starts weren't great, but he was really like looking like somewhat close to vintage Corey Kluber before going down with injury. So uh, yeah. like you mentioned, could be a huge piece helping them, you know, secure a playoff berth, helping them, you know, maybe make a run at the Rays, even if that's not necessarily likely, but especially come playoff time to have somebody, a number two or number three in your rotation who can, can, you know, go out there and have a, have a great performance. Yeah, absolutely. And he's got that, you know, the playoff experience. Um, so he's positioned well for uh, to pitch in a, a game three or a game four uh, in the playoffs for the Yankees when they, uh, if they're in, especially if they're in a position where they need a win, and uh, Cole isn't fully rested yet. So I think he could be a, a good option for the Yankees. Um, and now we'll go to uh, another season ending injury. This one for the Minnesota Twins, Kenta Maeda. He's going to be undergoing season ending elbow surgery after leaving his last start uh, with forearm, I believe forearm soreness or tightness. Um, it's unclear at this point if he's going to need a full Tommy John surgery. Um, but he, he will need some kind of surgery, uh, which, you know, it could mean 
missing all of next year could mean coming back in time for spring training. It's really uh, dependent on what kind of procedure he needs to have done. But uh, I think he, you know, he was, he was good enough this season, but it's a twins team that as a whole underperformed and he was no exception. Um, there was a four, six, six ERA over 106 innings. Um, so just not, not a great year for, uh, Maeda as it was just across the twins organization this season, but, uh, definitely a big blow to him and to the twins, uh, contention hopes next season, uh, because they are already struggling for pitching. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, Maeda, you know, those several years, several years, he was with the Dodgers. He was a breakout candidate, goes mm-hmm. to the twins, in 2020, remember he finished runner-up for Cy for the NL, a part of the AL Cy Young Award. He was just sensational. Uh-huh. And then this year, nobody was expecting him necessarily to repeat that, but it looked like he'd emerged as a real ace. Uh-huh. And he'd been on the IL a couple times. He's been uh, clearly just not the same guy, and also inconsistent and underperforming, like the other twins, like you said. Um, and yeah, like you said, the bigger, the biggest observation at this point for me is not what it really doesn't mean much for this season. We got a month left and the twins are in the cellar of the AL uh, Central. That's not the issue, but <laughs> they traded away Jose Barrios. Michael Pineda is going to be a free agent. Um, if Maeda does undergo Tommy John or something else that keeps him out for most of next year, mm-hmm. The twins pitching is just situation is just not going to be good. Like they're trying clearly, they've said that they're trying to compete next year, that they kind of want to just retool and they've still got a good lineup. Uh But if you're starting with like nothing that you can count on at the pitching position, it is hard to assemble in 2021, a rotation that's going to be competitive on the fly. Like even the Rays have, even though they kind of do that, they still have a couple guys. They can't go into a season thinking they can count on. Yeah. wins right now don't have any of that for next year so we'll see we got plenty of time to discuss that i guess in the off season yeah absolutely um definitely a tough uh situation i'm looking at their um their pitching rotation right now um bailey ober who's been actually pretty good for them over his uh few recent starts uh they've got griffin jacks who's been uh decent he's starting to figure it out a little bit even though his era is north of six um charlie barnes i know has made a couple of starts for him it's it's just a whole bunch of guys and we don't really know i don't think the twins really know what they have in any of them but they're gonna find out uh the rest of this season and and next season because uh you know losing brios and potentially maeda for all of next year uh it's not going to be good news for them no, no, it's going to be uh, an interesting off season for the twins to, uh, to figure out what their direction they're going to go and how much we're going to believe in them come next year. We, we shall see. Yeah, 100%. And uh, we have uh, good news this time about the best pitcher in baseball. So it's not as bad as maybe we once thought uh, last week when we reported that, uh, he was going to be out uh, for potentially the rest of the season. Um, but Chris, it's, uh, it doesn't look like it's quite the end this year. 
Yeah, not quite the end for Jacob DeGrom. It seemed like they might shut him down, but he he had an uh, was given a thumbs up um, last week after an MRI showed uh, improvement for his uh, forearm situation. Um, there's no timeline, at least there wasn't, uh, you know, as of a few days ago for him to rejoin the team or even begin a minor league rehab assignment. He has played catch, mm-hmm. um, but it is almost September 1st, like we've discussed. Uh, realistically, my guess, and maybe we find out tomorrow he's going on a rehab assignment and it's really short, but my guess still is that if he does make it back, the best case scenario is only a couple starts from him. And right now, also, as we've discussed the, in previous episodes, the Mets are not in a good situation anymore. They've been sort of like a, a Padre situation, just incomplete free fall. They're four games below 500. They're just, I, I think their playoff odds, now I want to look it up um, because they can't be good at this point. Um, yeah, no, they, you know, they went from a team that looked like they were in perfect, in good shape, on track to make the playoffs. And mm-hmm. Uh, now I'm seeing Fangraphs has the Mets at two percent, yeah, to make the postseason. So not good. There's a very good chance that by the time Jacob Degrom could actually be back, those playoff odds could be 02 percent, and yeah. they just may decide take it easy with him. You know, right? It's just it's not worth pushing him too hard if the you know impact this year might not be too much. Yeah, it's definitely uh, a. A, a good situation just in the fact that he's not going to have to have, you know, surgery or anything like that, um, which would keep him out potentially into next season. But uh, kind of it seems like it's going to be a situation of too little too late for, uh, for the Mets in terms of getting him back. Um, obviously he was incredibly dominant when he was healthy and uh, kind of keeping the Mets in uh, contention for a division title. But ever since he's gone down, uh, ever since he went down in early July, you know, they had, the Mets have been kind of in free fall mode, not right away when he went down, but pretty soon after is when they started their, uh, their uh, sharp decline. Yeah. 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 They're the timing there was far from ideal. And now all of a sudden uh, they've got some, and they've got some issues, but we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more coming up, uh, some mm-hmm. of the other on-the-field situation for them. Yeah, absolutely. What do we got next, Chris? A couple more next injuries one, to talk yeah, about. Yeah, just a couple more injuries, but it's positive updates. Again, I kind of mm-hmm. we kind of put the positive ones at the bottom, so now yeah. we're getting to players <laughs> returning instead of players leaving. Yeah. Um, so first up, we have Alex Bregman back for the Astros after a really extended and sometimes mysterious absence. Mm-hmm. There was a period where he had like started on a rehab assignment, but then he didn't play in a, in a minor league game on his rehab assignment for like a week plus. Yeah. And they were being weird about like why, you know, but uh, <laughs> now he's back. He's back. Yeah. Uh, he had been out for more than two months because of a left quad strain and then a hamstring issue. Obviously, we know how talented he can be. Um, his counting stats for the year aren't great because he's only played 60 games, but, uh, Bregman can be outstanding. The Astros back at full strength, more or less. I mean, obviously without Verlander, but, uh, that lineup looking really good. Correa, Altuve, Bregman, Alvarez, Brantley, uh, Guriel, like that's a really, really good lineup. Um, Mm -hmm. and it could, that could really cause some trouble come postseason time. Bregman may not be a 
you know, top tier superstar at this point in his career, but still a really good third baseman and makes that Astros lineup even deeper. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, just a key part of that, you know, could potentially be at an all all-star infield with, uh, yeah. with Bregman Correa. And then you go to, uh, Altuve and Gurriel, just four very, very good, uh, players, especially with the bats for all four of them. Um, and just an Astros lineup. It's like you said, Chris, not going to be fun to face in, in the postseason. Um, but uh, Bregman not playing today. He'll sit uh, today against Seattle. Um, but he came back on Wednesday. He's gone five for fourteen uh, at the plate in his uh, in his first big league action in over two months. Um, so definitely a. Uh, a uh, important uh, player to get back for the Astros uh, as they go into September. Yeah, no doubt about it. And and speaking of a player who's important to get back for a <laughs> likely or almost certain playoff team heading into the final month of the season, uh, yeah. we, you have some some good news for your uh, Chicago White Sox. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, Yasmani Grandal is finally back uh, after almost two months. Uh, that he missed with a torn ligament in his knee. He's back, made his first start on Friday against the Cubs. And uh, it was a big, big performance, which we will talk about uh, when we recap the White Sox uh, in just a few minutes here. Um, But definitely a big, uh, another big player that the White Sox desperately needed. And it's the first time all season, or Friday was the first time all season that, uh, Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, and Yasmani Grandal were in the same lineup. So getting healthy, getting, uh, you know, getting everybody back, and it's, uh, it's go time for the White Sox. Absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, you know, I guess I'll save my additional thoughts on the White Sox till we get down to our power rankings here to wrap yeah. up the show. But uh, sure. yeah, there's certainly something for them to, to prove here in the final month, even though they've got a playoff spot locked up. Uh, absolutely. 100%. So that's it for injury updates. Lots of them, but uh, guys returning, guys going down, not uh, as many uh, guys going down for, for playoff contending teams, um, but definitely some uh, teams that are in the mix getting healthy uh, and getting back to full strength uh, right before we hit September here. But a uh, couple uh, more news items. This one uh, a little bit uh, more, you know, housekeeping like, um, but we have a schedule for the 2021 uh, Major League Baseball postseason, Chris. That's right. We don't have any teams locked in a spot just yet. <laughs> we have some teams that have some very high percentages like yeah. the White Sox. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have teams. We don't have matchups, obviously. Mm-hmm. There's still a month left in the season, but, you know, we have just some general start dates for the series, you know, the AL uh, the regular season ends uh, for across baseball October 3rd. If there's any tiebreaker games that need to happen, that would be October 4th. And then the very next day, we're into wildcard games. AL wildcard would be the 5th, NL on the 6th. And then, of course, it's it's basically staggered. So the AL is one day ahead on the wildcard games, one day ahead on the ALDS starting the 7th, and then the 8th for the NL, uh, the ALCS, NLCS, and then the World Series won't actually begin until October 26th, which I guess it's just the way the calendar falls this year. That feels pretty late. Yeah. Um, when you consider, you know, the days off in between the World Series could easily push uh, into, I would imagine, uh, 
the first week of November. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know, it's just like you said, it's just housekeeping. There's no real analysis to follow. Um, <laughs> yeah. But we have a schedule now, a rough schedule for what the, the series are going to look like in terms of uh, start dates. Yeah. And if it goes uh, to game seven, it, game seven would be on Wednesday, November 3rd. So ah, yeah, a couple okay. days into November, um, which is not too terribly uncommon. Um, but if it's in a cold weather area, which there looks like it can be a very good chance it's in a cold weather area for at least one team, yeah. uh, might not be too much fun. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, that would be rough, I guess, but we'll, uh, I guess have time to see if we get to that point. <laughs> yeah. 100%. And then, uh, something that happened yesterday, um, mm-hmm. and Chris, I'm interested to get your take on this, Yeah, but, uh, Javier Baez was acquired by the Mets for a top five prospect in their, in the Mets minor league system. And he has struggled a lot since coming over um, even more than normal. Uh, He's striking out a lot. I don't know if you saw his uh, swing and miss uh, the other day. Um, Mm -hmm. I think this was a couple days earlier, but he was that you can be out in front of a ball and off balance, but Baez swung at this ball and it wasn't even two thirds of the way to home plate. It was uh, very wild to watch all that to say um, he had a home run in yesterday's game and his celebration was giving the thumbs down. Um, And those the thumbs down was to Mets fans. And his Mm -hmm. quote says, when we don't get success, we're going to get booed. So they're going to get booed the fans when we get success so and uh there's been a few you know francisco lindor did the same thing uh kevin polar also gave the thumbs down uh celebration and uh and then mets president sandy alderson basically said you know fans have the right have a right to boo and we're not going to tolerate any negative gestures or actions toward directed at our fans. Mm-hmm. So I, I know what I think, Chris, I'm interested to get your take on this kind of situation that's going on. I know we both, you know, as Cardinals and White Sox fans, we both don't like Javier Baez. Um, I personally think he's one of the most overrated players in baseball. And this does not help my opinion of that. <laughs> yeah yeah he's a very interesting player uh, undoubtedly <laughs> the the athletic ability i think is is undisputed but yeah. uh, sometimes i think it's maybe um you know played up a little bit by the national media yeah which not that he shouldn't be getting attention for the stuff that he could do on a baseball field but just mm-hmm. you know the actual performance good not elite as you might expect based on how he's described but you know i think this is an interesting one. I don't have a thought. It's, you know, the Mets have embarrassed. It's been an embarrassing August for the Mets. They've uh-huh. been very, very bad. They've fallen out of the playoff race. They've been falling way short of expectations. Of course, there's been, you know, some some reasons you can point to without being without DeGrom, being without um, Lindor for a while there. Um, but at the end of the day, the players you know, look, fans are paying to come watch this, these teams, mm-hmm. you know, the players are, are, you know, they have a job to do. And when you fall short of expectations, people are going to be frustrated. Yeah. And 
you know, does it, I'm, does it suck? I'm sure it sucks when you get booed as a player. I'm, I'm, you know, and you're trying your best and you're trying to get out of it. I'm not, you know, here to say that it's not a big deal. I understand it's frustrating, but at the end of the day, you've got a job to do and you just need to focus. I mean, I say you should just focus, but you have a job to do. And so the idea of you getting too upset with fans being upset at you underperforming, it seems a little bit much. At the same time, I also don't have a huge problem with the players expressing, you know, something back to them. I, I get it. I get all these sides of this. I, I'm almost talking myself into different, different opinion than I started. I'm not really sure. Yeah. I, I, this is one of those things where I'm honestly not sure because I think I understand the Mets organization saying that they want their you know fans to, you know, look, they're doing a PR thing, right? They're mm-hmm. saying we, we don't want our fans to be just feel like they're being disrespected by the players. Yeah. But I don't think anybody here is, is, is like so upset, like booing in sports happens all the time. It's not, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's not like a, the fans are, are like, right. There's no horrible things being said. I mean, I'm sure there are fans who say horrible things, yeah. but I just mean booing is not like, you know, saying someone is a worthless human being and giving a thumbs back down back to the fans isn't like you know shouting you know horrible you know curse words at them i think it's i think it's all a little bit overblown but uh i i don't know what what do you have you have a strong view on this um i think it it, part of it comes from just my opinion of of javi Baez. um i think it's kind of what you said early on and in your point about, you know, you're being paid millions of dollars to do a job and the people who come and spend their hard earned money to come watch you play clearly think that you're not performing to their expectations. Now I have, you know, I've heard a lot of different opinions on booing and, you know, are you, what are, you, what are you, you saying about yourself as a fan of your team if you're booing your own team? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a kind of a longer, more, you know, uh, expansive discussion uh, yeah. that we can have uh, some, sometime later. But, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, it's, it's a, a very interesting situation. Um, I think that, you know, Mets fans have been through a lot you know and it most of it has not been good since their last world series title and you know i think that's just some of this frustration is coming out you know they thought they were gonna kind of be contending for an nle's title and then Degrom goes down and then they make this trade for Baez, and they're like oh maybe we're not you know we traded for Baez, now we got lindor and Baez on the middle infield and maybe we can make another run at it and bias has struggled a lot and you know it's just all that frustration boiling over so i think that you know as a fan you have a right to express your opinion negative or positive yeah but uh and i think you know there's it's not entirely wrong for the players to say hey you're gonna boo me but you know do they have to give them the thumbs up i think they can you know kind of let their performances speak for themselves a little bit more and I don't entirely agree with the the whole thumbs down thing, but if that's the way they feel they need to express it, then I say go for it. And uh, 
it's going to be a little bit of a love-hate relationship between uh, Mets players and their fans over the next uh, month plus. Hopefully it doesn't carry over into next year. Yeah, this is just, you know, it's a team and a fan base that have been frustrated for a long time now, <laughs> uh, for years, years, yeah. decades of history of frustration. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of boiling over here when the expectations were so high with the new owner and all these different things happening. Right. And uh, it just becomes, I'm, I'm not surprised. I'm not saying that it's been handled perfectly by all sides by any means, of course right. not, but right. <laughs> I'm not surprised that something like this would happen when you have this much of a tension and this much of frustration given mm-hmm. the circumstances. And uh, I think it's just the, the latest chapter in what promises to be an ongoing saga of the Mets for uh, years to continue for months and into the next year or so. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how the Mets uh, kind of handle this uh, going forward now. So that's yeah. our, our new segment for this week. Uh, a lot of injury updates, a uh, few, uh, few milestones, few records being closed in on, but uh, we will move on and recap uh, the White Sox and then the Cardinals. We will start with the White Sox. Uh, they went, they've gone four and two since we spoke last week. Um, it's been a solid week. The offense has been pretty explosive over the stretch of games. Um, last time we talked, they had played one game, uh, at Toronto. They lost that game, but we'll pick it up, pick it up with game two of that series. Um, the Sox were able to jump on Jose Barrios for four runs in the first inning. It was three, nothing after five pitches, after a leadoff single by Luis Robert, another single by Juan Moncada, and uh, Jose Abreu, three-run homer. Um, Dylan Cease was awesome. Uh, he pitched seven innings, four hits, an earned run, a walk, and seven strikeouts. Um, the top three in the order, Robert, Moncada, and Abreu, combined to go nine for 15 with four RBIs, all by Abreu, and four runs scored. And the Sox were able to tally 18 hits in the game. Uh, including multi-hit games for seven of the nine starters. Um, and the Sox would win that game five to two. Game three was a pitcher's duel through and through. It was between the top two swing and miss guys in baseball, Lucas, Lucas Giolito and Robbie Ray. Um, they pretty much matched each other blow for blow. Giolito went six innings, five hits, uh, and earned run a walk in six Ks. Robbie Ray went seven innings, five hits, and earned run a walk and struck out 14 White Sox batters. Um, we just couldn't make any hard contact. It just, you know, it was a pitcher's duel and the, uh, the blue Jays ended up taking that one three to one. Um, and then game four is a high scoring game. Uh, Cesar Hernandez, Jose Abreu and Eloy Jimenez each went yard for the white Sox. They were able to chase Hyunjin Ryu, uh, out of the game after, uh, in the fourth inning after scoring seven runs off of him. Carlos Rodon made his first start since August 7th. He went five innings, five hits. Uh, two earned runs, a walk, and three Ks. Um, Michael Kopech came out of the bullpen, kind of blew up a little bit, gave up five earned runs in his inning of work. Uh, but the White Sox would go on to win and hold on uh, 10 to 7 in that game. Um, and then we get to another high scoring game. You thought that one was wild. You see nothing yet. Game one against the Cubs at Guaranteed Rate Field. The Sox went down six nothing in the first. Yeah, six nothing in the first inning. Dallas Keuchel gave up six earned runs, uh, in what ended up being his only inning of work. Um, Ronaldo Lopez came out of the bullpen. He was perfect through five innings. He struck out seven. Um, 
I think that got kind of lost in the shuffle, just how good he was keeping the White Sox in the game. Um, the Sox would score eight in the third inning. They would take a 9-6 lead. They would add four more in the fifth. And then in the final two and a half innings, 11 runs are scored total. Um, the star of the game, I mentioned it earlier, Yasmani Grandal. He went four for six, two three-run homers, a double, and eight RBIs, which tied a White Sox record, um, tied him with Robin Ventura when he hit two grand slams in the same game. Um, and they would win that one by a football score of 17 to 13. Um, just a wild, wild game. Uh, game two, it was just a clunker. It happens, you know, good for about once a week uh, to the White Sox, it seems. Alec Mills just mystified White Sox hitters, got just four hits off of him. Lance Lynn wasn't good to compound the issues that the offense had. Uh, gave up seven earned runs over five innings, his worst, his worst start with the White Sox, um, and they would lose that one seven to nothing. In game three, uh, the White Sox offense exploded again. Luis Robert hit two home runs. Brian Goodwin, Eloy Jimenez, and Yasmani Grandal all went deep as well. Jose Abreu passed the 100 RBI mark for the season with a two-run double in the fifth inning. He is now at 101. Um, Two-hit games for Robert, Abreu, Grandal. Dylan Cease was awesome again. Six innings pitched, an earned run, four hits. Uh, two walks and 11 strikeouts to pair Ryan Tapera, Michael Kopech and Liam Hendricks would all come in and close it down. It was a 13 to one win for the White Sox. That was yesterday. Um, overall, a couple of points, and I've seen this circulating on White Sox Twitter. Who would you rather have uh, in game? I guess it would be game three or four of a, of a playoff series. Dylan, uh, Dylan sees for Dallas Keuchel. Dylan sees over his last seven starts, a four and record. 285 ERA over 41 innings, 13 walks and 56 strikeouts with an, a, a whip even at one. Dallas Keuchel's last seven starts, he's one and four with a 734 ERA and 34 and a third innings, 14 walks, only 19 strikeouts, and a 154 whip. You tell me who you'd rather have. Um, Yasmani Grandal picked up right where he left off before his injury. Uh, he's played in three games so far, uh, all against the Cubs. He went six for 12 with three homers, 10 RBIs and a walk. Um, he has 61 walks this season to just 40 hits, 17 of which are homers and four doubles. And that leaves just 19 singles. They end the week at 76 and 56 with a 10 game division lead. Start talking magic numbers, magic number for the White Sox right now, 23, um, up next, we got two against Pittsburgh, which starts uh, today when you're hearing this on Tuesday, um, Tuesday, Wednesday against Pittsburgh, and then off to Kansas City for three games there. Um, and the White Sox have three off days over the next week, today, Thursday, and next Monday, um, which is much needed after a stretch of 26 games in 27 days, including seven in a row on turf. Yeah, um, you know, they certainly, I feel like, uh, you know, I was looking up what the latest is on him now, but uh, Tim Anderson's been playing a little bit banged up, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, he's, he's had, he, they've been having like maintenance days for him, and then he came back, but then he missed another game, recurring leg soreness. Yeah. Um, so I imagine the off days certainly, you know, he's going to be one to benefit from them in particular. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, you know, it's, I think it's a combination of just he's 
been playing almost every day. And then, you know, you go to Tampa and Toronto in back-to-back series and you play those games on turf and, you know, it's, uh, it's just fatigue and, and sore legs and, you know, you'd rather rest him now and have him healthy for October um, and just make sure he's, he's good to go for that instead of, you know, playing him every day. And then you get to October and he's dragging. So um, not super concerned at this point. It doesn't seem like it's going to be too big of an issue, especially with those three off days coming uh, over the next uh, week or so. Yeah, and I, I guess we're reaching the point of the season where I guess it's a little too early. No, it's still a little too early to tell. Uh, you know, it's easier to tell in the National League. I was starting to kind of jump ahead to, you know, who the the first round playoff opponent might be, but it's yeah. still kind of too too early to tell because right now the White Sox and the Astros have very close to identical records. So it's yeah. still so close that you can't exactly tell how it's going <laughs> to line up. I would imagine they may end up playing each other, but uh, yeah, that's going to be still, I, I guess I was kind of jumping ahead there a little bit too far to, yeah. to start thinking about that, but, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of at a point where there is still something to prove though, that they don't, you know, they don't want to fall apart here down the stretch because at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what your final record is as much as what momentum you have heading into the postseason, like we've talked about before. Right. Absolutely. And, uh, I know not this week cause this week is a pretty easy week for them with uh games against the pirates and the royals um but if i go to september here uh the week after next week is going to be a little tougher we go to oakland for three games there and then we come home and host the red Sox. um two teams that are fighting uh tooth and nail for their playoff positions um so that's going to be a very big uh kind of uh prove it a couple of prove it series for the white Sox. they did uh, pretty solid against the uh, some uh, tough teams late in August with the Yankees, A's, uh, Rays, and Blue Jays. Um, and I think they went seven and seven against uh, against those teams uh, in uh, late August. So it's going to be another uh, tough stretch, not quite as long. Um, and we end the season pretty with a pretty easy schedule, but. Uh, we'll talk, we'll be talking about it next week for sure. Previewing those two series for the Sox. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be an interesting final month for them. And uh, I'm certainly going to be paying attention because that makes me a little less frustrated than where the Cardinals are right now. Um, <laughs> because I'm, I'm simultaneously continuously, continually frustrated and yet here we are. And as of I'm saying this now, they're still just two and a half games back of the wild card. <laughs> it's such a, such a maddening experience almost in some ways watching this team super closely. Yeah. Um, we've talked about it, you know, heading into August, I was talking about how easy of a, like a three or four week stretch this was for the Cardinals. They mm-hmm. played three series against Pittsburgh, two against the Royals and one against Detroit in August. And there's still just a few games above 500. Um, <laughs> I will say it again here. I said it before. Yeah. The Cardinals don't deserve to make the playoffs at this point. Nobody can be mad. Mm-hmm. No Cardinals fan can be. I mean, you can be mad that they didn't make the playoffs, but you can't be mad because you feel like they deserved it and they didn't. Yeah. Um, though, given the things that we've talked about, the Padres collapse 
and the Reds have been good to get good enough to take that second wildcard spot, but not like fabulous, not in every, in every aspect. Uh-huh. So the Cardinals here are just, uh, as of the, as of right now, they just won tonight. And we'll talk about that in a second. They're now just two and a half back uh-huh. of the second wildcard with the Reds. Um, and that's despite the fact that over the last week, prior to tonight, they played, you guessed it, 500 baseball. That's what they do. Um, yep. And they'll like have a week where they play three games above 500. And the next mm-hmm. week, they'll be two games below 500. It, it all kind of basically balances itself out. Oh, yeah. um, they played two against home against Detroit last week. Game one, Casey Mize was good. Jack Flaherty was not. And then he was hurt. Yep. He's been since placed on the IL, IL again with a right shoulder strain. Um, fortunately, no structural damage, but it still looks like it, looks like it could be very well be a season-ending injury. Um, so bad news for Flaherty, of course, who missed all that time with an oblique strain. Cardinals lost that game four to three. Mm-hmm. Game two, John Lester was decent enough. Paul Goldschmidt, two home runs. But Alex Reyes blew the save. He has really struggled of late. Uh, that said, Lars Newtbar again to the rescue with a single <laughs> in the tenth. The walk off three to two. The legend continues. The legend every of week, Lars man. Lars Newtbar yeah. just comes up and there. saves the game. He gets in there every week. Um, <laughs> so that that's how the Cardinals split uh, two quick two game series with Detroit. And then they went to Pittsburgh for four games, the third series against the Pirates this in the month of August. Mm-hmm. Game one was a complete disaster. I mean, complete <laughs> disaster. The Cardinals scored had scored seven runs by the end of the third inning. Mm-hmm. They had a seven to three lead entering the bottom of the seventh when Henesis Cabrera gave up six consecutive hits without recording an out. All six runners plus two more scored for Pittsburgh and the Cardinals lost 11 to seven. It was just horrendous. I mean, he came in and they just kept him out there and he gave up the the hit and then another 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 hit. And And they didn't pull him until the sixth hit and he didn't get an out. And every one of those runners scored plus two more. And it was horrible. Yeah. And so that was, that was a bad start to that series. Against, I mean, again, we're talking about the Pittsburgh Pirates here. Right. So that was bad. <laughs> and game two, they bounced back. J.A. Happ was solid. Um, they got three RBI from Tommy Edmond, and they won four to three. So that was good. Mm-hmm. Game three, all right, where it's getting positive. The opposite of the game one disaster. Adam Wainwright, who else? Seven scoreless, yeah. three hits, <laughs> one walk, five strikeouts. Here he here goes again. Yeah. Um, the Cardinals... Uh, lit up Stephen Brault for seven earned runs. Paul Goldschmidt, three RBIs. Tommy Edmond had four hits. Uh, Edmundo Sosa had four hits. He's getting some time at shortstop because Paul DeYoung has continued to struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Cardinals won that one 13 to nothing. So basically the opposite situation of a, of a game, not the exact opposite, but yeah. uh, so you're going on a little roller coaster and it just had to continue into game four. Um <laughs> Uh, Kim was solid and in what was a short start for for him. Uh, Tommy Edmond, a, a big week. He was NL Player of the Week, I believe, or at least Hitter of the Week. Uh, yep. He had a two run home run in that in the game four. And Alex Reyes blew the save again, thanks to two <laughs> walks, and then he served up a three run home run to Yoshi Sutsugo. Who And at this point, uh, Alex Reyes, who had started the season like 20-something consecutive saves, 
needed to be removed from the closers role because it has been a very, very bad month of August and maybe a little longer for, for him. Um, yeah. Just, just very bad. Uh, and so it looks like they have made a change um, at closer based on what I'm seeing uh, that just happened tonight. Yeah. Um, they went to Giovanni Gallegos for mm-hmm. the save tonight. So that was the end of the Pittsburgh series. They ended up splitting that series on a roller coaster. Uh, and then tonight yeah. they, they are playing a crucial three game series against the Reds, of course, who they're chasing now mm-hmm. um, for that second wild card spot. They won three to one tonight. That game just went final. Goldschmidt homered again. John Lester pitched into the seventh inning and gave up just one hit. So wow. some vintage John Lester. Uh, good to go. see because he, he hadn't been good. Uh, and Giovanni Gallegos got the save. So he'd been one of their primary setup men. He's pretty good. He's not excellent, but he's pretty good. So that's uh, good to see that they made the change there at least. Mm-hmm. But man, the last week, it's kind of a mess. It's it's the potential <laughs> for greatness and yeah. the potential for disaster that you see if you watch the Cardinals on an everyday basis. Yeah. But here we go. Uh, they could be just a game, if, you know, by the end of tomorrow, the end of Tuesday night, Mm-hmm. They win again, they could be just a game and a half back for that spot. Yeah. And if they win the next two games, they could be just a half game back for that spot yeah. for a playoff spot. It's <laughs> probably not going to happen, but man, oh man, it's, they're keeping it just interesting enough, just yeah. interesting enough. Uh, but, you know, I'll just finish with this. We talked about the great stretch, the easy stretch of baseball that they had in August. Mm-hmm. Uh, now they've got a much harder stretch. Um, they're (laughs) not mediocre play is not going to be able to keep them afloat. Yeah. Like they can't just be like up and down and all around, but get away with winning enough games because it's the pirates and the tigers and this and that they're playing three games against Cincinnati. They won the first one. Then they got three at Milwaukee, then four against the Dodgers, then three against the Reds again. I mean, this is a crew. I mean, obviously it's a crucial stretch, but these are much, much better teams than they've been playing over the last four weeks. So I don't know. It's just one of those like shrug emoji. Like, I don't know. We'll talk again next week. We'll right. see. I don't know. Maybe, uh, uh, you know, it definitely has the potential to swing their season big time, especially this series against the Reds the team that they're chasing. Yeah. And it's, you know, especially at this point in the season, it's so important to win those games against the teams, that, the team that you're chasing. Um, right. Because you can, you, you control your own destiny basically if you're the Cardinals yeah um but it sounds like and correct me if i'm wrong Mm -hmm. if the cardinals were made up of 13 adam wainwrights and of the pitching staff and nine lars newt bars on the playing the you know in the batting order and playing the field it sounds like the cardinals could win 100 games (laughs) based on Uh, what we've heard and witnessed over the past month or so it seems like those two guys are the only uh, consistent producers yeah yeah i feel like of the positive things i've said about them in the past three or four weeks uh 80 of that has either has involved one of those two guys yep uh it's very true wainwright in particular uh just turned 40 today or sorry uh yesterday yesterday no today today is his birthday today's the 30th birthday to add to adam wainwright he is second in the national league in innings pitched third in wins uh ninth in whip uh eighth in hits given up per nine innings he is top 10 in era 
and is tied for the NL lead in complete games. 40 years old, like a fine uh, wine, aging like a fine wine. Uh, gives uh, David Ortiz's final season a uh, run for the run for his money. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's just too bad that it's being wasted. Maybe yeah. I don't know. I might be. I, I yeah. I'm either gonna, <laughs> you know, a few weeks from now they might be out of the playoff picture, and I said it's being wasted. And yeah. if they somehow make the playoffs, then that man deserves a statue outside Bush Stadium just for his role <laughs> this season because. Yeah. Uh, they'd be a mess, even more of a mess without, without him. 100%. Yeah. That, it's, so. it's going to be, I can see the Cardinals going, I don't know, what do they have? 10 games against uh, or 13 games against Cincinnati, Milwaukee, the Dodgers, and then the Reds yeah. again. Yeah. As much as I could see them like going, I don't know, two and 11, I could, uh-huh. I could also see them going 11 and two. <laughs> It's it's just either one is like oh is is possible. It's very now of course they'll probably end up going you know seven and six six and six, six or and seven, seven and six yeah. or six and seven. But yeah. <laughs> at this point, anything's on the table, and nothing would really su- well. Very few things would surprise me. We'll see yeah. if they can find a way. Yeah, we definitely will. It's a, a big uh, big stretch coming up for the cards. Um, yes. But this day in baseball, August 30th, 2014, oh. Chris, it was your week. And uh, we're talking about one of the legends of the game. That's right. We're talking about Trevor Hoffman, who, of course, uh, spent 18 years in the majors, parts of 16 of them with the San Diego Padres, retired on this date, uh, August 30th, 2014, seven years ago. And he retired at the time as baseball's all-time saves leader, with 601 saves for his career. He also became the ninth person inducted into the, inducted into the Padres Hall of Fame. Um, and of course, he has since been passed uh-huh. by Mariano Rivera, who now who has uh, retired with 652 saves all time. But Hoffman still sits second on that list as one of the very, very, very best closers of all time. Uh-huh. And nobody else has reached 500 he doesn't have a lot of competition yeah you know he's not really in too much danger of falling out of the top three or five or whatever Mm -hmm. anytime too soon um obviously mariano rivera the best closer of all time but uh trevor hoffman is you're gonna have that conversation yeah rivera but then right after that the next name out of your mouth has to be trevor hoffman Mm -hmm. um so i went ahead and looked it up because i was curious you know, who, who are the active saves leaders in Major League Baseball? And I think we've talked about this before. Maybe, I don't know if it was on air or off or on, yeah. on, on the pod or off the pod. Yeah. Um, but do you have any guesses for who the, let's see how many, I have the top five here of the active saves leaders. How many can you guess? Oh man, that's going to be a good one. This would be a fun game. Yeah. There's a couple Uh, that are obvious and then a couple that are not. Yeah. Well, obviously, uh, Craig Kimbrell. Yes. Ninth all time with 372. Sure. Okay. So Kimbrell, and then you probably, uh, probably a role this Chapman is up there. Yep. He's number three among active pitchers tied for 29th all time with exactly 300 career saves. He just got number 300. Okay. Um, and then I would probably go with Kenley Jansen. Kenley Jansen has 41 more saves than Chapman. He's tied for 14th all time with 341. Okay. Um, 
so you got the three obvious like the three, three obvious ones three obvious then, ones after that it gets it gets weird is it mark i have one more guess mark melanson oh, oh you got it number four is mark okay. melanson 39th all-time 239 saves oh I mean, god talk about a guy who just like doesn't he's just like he's just earned it i mean he's like yeah. just based on durability not because he was over ever this like overpowering mm-hmm. guy he's just stuck around and just continued to get the job done and his number five, is he still in the closer role for his team as far as you know? Uh, number five, I don't believe he is. He might He oh. might be. Let's see. He's on a very bad team now. Oh. He might be the setup guy. Let's see. Uh, he's on a bad team now, and he has six saves this year. Oh, no. Uh, gosh. But he might be the closer for his team now. He got traded. Oh, he got traded. Oh, goodness. Uh, I don't have a guess. It's Joaquin Soria. Oh, goodness. (laughs) I know. I know. Joaquin Soria, 42nd all-time, 229 career saves. Um, He was only – he only has – see, the thing is, since 2012 – yeah. He's never had more than 24 saves in a season. Yeah. Like he, you just, the reason he's, he's been around so long, he's 37 years old yeah. and his very first seasons with the, the Ray, uh, that with the Royals, yeah, he had 42, 30, 43, 30 saves. So yeah, that's what got him a good head start. And then he kind of just hung around for another decade <laughs> plus, just like occasionally getting some saves. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so much of it is, is peak performance, but so much of it is just, literally hanging around and continuing to get some saves mm-hmm. uh, that helps you climb that leaderboard that's so, yeah, wild. that was that was a wild <laughs> one but very good you got one through four very impressive yeah i was not expecting joaquin's uh, joaquin soria shout out nope. in this episode yeah. but here yes. we are yep yep somehow <laughs> all right so after that um wild uh, roller coaster um we will go to our our uh, power rankings for this week and uh chris i know we were pretty similar last week but looking at it we have uh diverged uh quite a bit um from last week and we have some uh differing opinions uh still yeah, yeah this is this is interesting we i'm glad we haven't we have some interesting things to talk about we we have the same top three teams mm-hmm. different order slightly but same top three teams but I'm looking here. Your number four team is my number seven team. Uh, so there's a big difference. Uh, yeah. We also have most of the differences are pretty small, but uh, yeah. we definitely have some some interesting things to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll start at the top. Um, who else but the San Francisco Giants? Uh, they just keep winning baseball games, and they are uh, still hold the best record in baseball, eighty four and forty six um with one of the best run differentials in baseball i think it's third best if i'm seeing that correctly third best run differential in baseball still maintaining their lead over the los angeles dodgers uh right now it's at two and a half games and they just keep winning i mean we've talked about it at length at this point and there's really not too much uh more to say yeah, they lost just one series in August. They mm-hmm. are 19 and 7 this month uh, and through the weekend. Mm-hmm. And the consistency of their great play is truly astounding. Their worst month of the season by record was July, 
and that was still a 97 win pace (laughs) your worst month of the season is still a 97 win pace yeah don't doubt the giants nobody should be doubting the giants we're past (laughs) any of that i mean i'm not saying they're winning the world series but they're they're so legit yeah Uh, and yeah that that's there's not much else to say than that that's absolutely incredible they were on a 97 win pace i'm trying to look at their result or their uh baseball reference splits by month and yeah they haven't lost more than 10 games in a month all season long wild that's insane but um i decided to make a uh somewhat maybe controversial uh switch here in my two and three spots i went with uh the tampa bay rays as as my number two and i bumped the dodgers down one to number three Reason being, first of all, the Rays went five and zero. This uh, since we talked last, they and it wasn't you know super impressive. You know they beat the Phillies, they swept the Phillies, and they swept the Baltimore Orioles. Not impressive on the face. Mm-hmm. Um, the Dodgers, on the other hand, they uh, swept the Padres, uh, and then they lost two out of three to the Rockies. Which you know you're going to have series like that, but it feels like. I mean, and this has been the case. We've been saying the Dodgers, you know, it's only a matter of time before the Dodgers catch the Giants. The Dodgers are going to catch the Giants. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And they haven't done it. And by this point, I mean, if they were the second best team in baseball or making a push to be the best team in baseball, especially with the roster they've had or that they have, they wouldn't have done it already. So for me, it's like, you know, I've given them, and I think everybody's given them chance after chance after chance, and they just haven't been able to get over the hump uh, and get past the Giants. So um, I'm bumping them down to three, and I think, at least for me, it makes uh, a lot of sense, especially because the Rays uh, just keep winning, and they've got a, a very similar record to the Dodgers. Yeah, so I mean, this is this is definitely something I thought about. I originally I thought I was going to go raise two. Instead, I stuck with the Dodgers in the second spot. But mm-hmm. um, you know, I have Rays at three, and you have Dodgers at three, so it's it's very small margins. Um, yeah. You know, first of all, you know, nothing against the Rays at all with this spot. I mean, third is still great, of course. Right. You know, for me, they've got the sets. They've actually scored the second most runs in baseball this season, behind oh, wow. only Houston. And this is huh. a team we think about pitching first. Right. But um, their offense just so scrappy. Um, their bullpen like an assembly line. They just keep mm-hmm. rolling out new guys who you've yeah. never heard of who produce, <laughs> and they have the best ERA and and uh, FanGraphs WAR of any bullpen in Major League Baseball. Yeah. They've been outstanding, and like you mentioned, the week they just had. So, um, yeah. props to them. I yeah. stuck with the Dodgers at two. I certainly understand what you're saying, and I am certainly. I wouldn't be putting on any putting any money down on the Dodgers catching the Giants at this point. Yeah. Um, but some of that's but I would say the reason that I wouldn't put any money down on that right now is not really because of the Dodgers and more just because of the Giants. Right. Because it's not as if the Dodgers have, you know, played 500 baseball over the last month. Right. Um, obviously, you mentioned their, their struggles. Uh, you know, they lost a series at home to Colorado, which is weird. But yeah, they've won. 13 of their last 16 games yeah so i feel like it's really more of a testament to the giants that that 
the standing star the way they are than the mm-hmm. than pointing out the Dodgers like oh you know they've been good not great like well they've been basically great if the yeah. Giants just weren't doing what they're doing they would I mean if the Giants would have just been good the Dodgers would have passed them but the D- Giants have just kept the foot on the pedal so um I kept with the Dodgers at, at two but you know credit to the race as well it's it's all very close and uh these are still you know a, a very clear top three yeah absolutely and Quick sidebar, uh, Wander Franco just extended his on-base streak with a RBI, two RBI single in the bottom of the eighth oh, against the Red go. Sox. I have the game on uh, MLB.tv, and he was just thrown out trying to go to second. Oh, so <laughs> well, some good, some bad. <laughs> some good, some bad, but he is that streak is still alive, speaking of the race. Very nice, very nice. But we'll go to our the middle of our list, uh, the middle of yeah. our power rankings, and here's where we really diverge. I think we have the same four teams, but I think every one of them is in a different spot. Yeah, um, it's it's the Brewers, the White Sox, the Yankees, and the Astros. So for me, I have uh, the Brewers at four. You have the Brewers at seven. So I think that's our biggest disagreement um, in terms of number of spots. Yeah. But I think the Brewers, they played an okay week. You know, they went three and three. They won two out of three from Cincinnati, lost two out of three to Minnesota. It wasn't anything super egregious, and I didn't feel like any of the other teams below them played particularly better over the past week. Um, you know, because, you know, the White Sox, they went, they went four and two. And they moved up a spot, but I think the Brewers have, you know, they've proven consistently that they are, you know, one of the best teams in the National League. And, uh, you know, they weren't objectively bad. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think they did enough to keep their spot. Um, But Chris, why did you, what made you move the Brewers down three spots from last week? Yeah, this was an interesting one. And it's one where I kind of, I put the rankings together and then I look up and I see what the the changes are from last week. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh. I don't really, I didn't really intend to move the Brewers down three spots. Like you said, they didn't do anything horrible. Now they didn't have a great week, Mm -hmm. but they didn't do anything horrible. But I look at it, I'm like, well, I didn't really mean to move them down three spots. (laughs) For me, it was more a reflection of a couple of other teams Mm -hmm. uh, than the Brewers. For me, the White Sox, um, it's, it was, you know, that was the close, that was the really close call. But for me, the Yankees and the Astros, they did do enough. Yeah. Over the last week plus to to jump the Brewers. And mm-hmm. part of that was like I had only had I say only I had the Brewers up to the fourth spot like last week, I believe it was, you yeah. know, uh, we were in agreement there. Mm-hmm. But it was something where I kind of felt like I needed to do that to give them credit, but I wasn't buying in on them as really the, the fourth best team. Yeah. And so I was kind of almost looking for a reason to have teams that I feel are better. <laughs> jump back ahead of them and i feel yeah. like i've kind of gotten that reason like just you know I'm, it may be flawed logic it very sure. well maybe but mm-hmm. i you know just kind of explain my thought process there so mm-hmm. the yankees for me were a team that uh you know it was resurging right now uh mm-hmm. they lost a couple in a row to, against oakland to end the weekend but before that they had won 13 straight games yeah uh they now in the top al wild card spot they've mm-hmm. won 35 of their last 48 games that's a 729 winning percentage yeah 
I wasn't, it was just a month plus ago that I was saying, I didn't know if the Yankees were really that, that outstanding. Like they, I was worried about their weaknesses, even with the trades. I was like, mm. well, they're pitching and all these things. Yeah. But I think that I just can't ignore, I think they're a top five team. And meanwhile, the Astros who last week we were kind of like, they were, they were like treading water, mm-hmm. but now they've won seven of their last 10, not against great teams, but right. I just feel like those are teams where like in my head, I want to give the Brewers respect. Yeah, but I still feel like I have enough reason to to put the Astros and Yankees up there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't intend to move the Brewers down so far. I don't <laughs> think I really feel bad about them. Yeah, part of it is just I think looking toward a playoff series, even with what the Brewers have at their disposal, which is outstanding pitching. Mm-hmm. I still just I still just like four or five, six teams better than them. I think in a playoff series. Yeah, and that's completely fair. Um, I have the Yankees at six. I know you have them up at four. You know, yeah. they they were on that huge, you know, that 13-game winning streak. And then they, you know, and they, they go and play Oakland and they lose uh, the last two of that series, which is tough. But, you know, I think it's it, it's going to be – it kind of comes with the – the long season there there's a lot of games and you're not going to win every one of them but the fact that they were able to string together 13 in a row is uh very impressive i put them i put them down just one spot um just because well mostly because of what the white Sox did this week um i flip-flopped them in in my rankings this week and it could have easily stayed the other way um but i think just because the white Sox are are all the way healthy now and they were able to split with Toronto and their offense seems like it's coming alive. Um, especially, you know, over this past week, I think that is part of why I, uh, bumped them up a spot and bumped the Yankees down as far as the Astros go. Um, you know, they won four or six this week. They didn't play good teams at all. Um, I think what, you know, the Yankees did and what the White Sox did was a little more impressive. So I just kind of left them where they were. Um, but I think they're, you know, they're, they've got one of the best offenses, if not the best offense, uh, in baseball. And it's just kind of, their pitching is a little iffy. Um, and that's pretty much my main concern, but they can definitely score some runs. So that's, that's our, that's our four through seven, uh, somehow all different teams in different spots. (laughs) Uh, yeah, yeah, that was, it was, you know, it's an interesting group. And I also feel like I, I didn't really mean to drop the White Sox. That's one where I maybe I would consider, but reconsider. But for me, mm-hmm. you know, and I think this was perfect the way that you kind of decided to cut this off in this you know section, this middle tier of teams, because yeah. it for me, it perfectly fits what I view as um, seven top five caliber teams Yep. <laughs> right now, where seven teams that I actually gave consideration to putting in my top five. Mm-hmm. After that, I like the Mike. We, we both had the Braves at eight, and mm-hmm. then the Red Sox, and then the Reds. So, spoiler yeah. alert: we the, those are the next three. We agree yeah. after this, mm-hmm. but I none of those three teams got any consideration for me to to really even sniff the top five. So, yeah. for me, just in terms of what I consider top tier teams, not mm-hmm. that they're all created equal. Yeah, it was those seven right now. It's a clear top seven. Yeah, um, so we're definitely on the same page, and then. We are also on the same page uh, with these final three teams. Um, yeah. <laughs> the Atlanta Braves uh, got themselves from not ranked up to 
eight for both of us last week and they remain at eight. They're not cracking that top seven, but mm -hmm. uh, they're holding steady at, amongst the top of the next tier. Mm -hmm. um, they took two or three from the Giants over the weekend. So handed the Giants their only series loss in yeah. August. So that's significant in its own right. Yeah. Uh, Jorge Soler went from a 658 OPS with the Royals to a 940 OPS thus far with the with the Braves so it looked like he might just be done like as a good hitter and now he right. looks like a, an all-star again they're getting some contributions from some young pitchers like Hector Enoa I believe mm -hmm. uh, and some others so I don't know how far the Braves will go in the playoffs but it's looking like they're gonna you know maybe win that that NL East without sweating too much yeah and uh you know it's it's seems like they're they're starting to kind of put it together a little bit you know they obviously yeah. we've talked about the loss of uh ronald acuna jr and marcelo zuna but you know they, they have guys like jorge soler that's that are stepping up and somebody is a, a player i want to highlight is um austin riley he has oh, been yes. absolutely on fire over really the last month plus i mean you look at his last 30 games 11 home runs, 30 RBIs, a 353 uh, batting average, and an OPS over a thousand. I mean, you do that for seven games, you do that for 10 games, even 20 games, but to do it for a full month's worth of games, I mean, he's just, he's making a legitimate case for National League MVP. He's got 28 home runs, 80 RBIs on the year, batting average at 300, OPS at 913. I mean, just crazy. And he's, you know, he's one of those guys that is stepping up and he's kind of becoming, uh, he's showing at least flashes of, you know, the guy that the Braves envisioned that he could be. Yeah. I'm glad you brought this up because this is a guy who had been, you know, a breakout, a breakout candidate for a few years now mm -hmm. with high hopes. And he had had shown some potential in his rookie season and then it kind of fell off and then he was yeah. bad in 2020 and it was like who is this guy mm -hmm. and then he got off to a slow start in 2021 and despite yeah. that slow start you mentioned his overall numbers with an ops uh north of 900 for the season yeah you know and 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 you know if, if he's really the guy that we've seen over the last you know three months rather than the whole season i mean he might just be a 950 975 OPS bat. So right. this is a breakout that we're watching that isn't really getting enough attention just across the league. Like I know mm -hmm. Braves fans are talking about him, but just nationally, he needs more recognition. Uh, entered today leading the National League in total bases. Just yep. uh, remarkable, remarkable season for Austin Riley. That's a, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so the Braves at eight for both of us. We have the same bottom three teams uh, at eight, nine, and ten. Uh, the Red Sox played themselves back into uh, our top 10, um, you know, with uh, a couple of series wins uh, against uh, the, the Twins and the Indians. Um, not great teams, uh, especially the Twins, but the Indians, you know, they, they, they've got some pieces still um, and definitely never an easy team to beat. Um, but they won four of, their, of those six games. And, uh, you know, in that wild card spot, in that second wild card spot in the American League, and just sticking around. I mean, they're, they're probably not going to, you know, make any kind of a run at uh, the division title with the Rays, you know, kind of pulling away from 
both the Yankees and the Red Sox, but they're, they're just kind of sticking around and they're not going to be, uh, you know, it's, it, it's looking like it's going to be Yankees, Red Sox, uh, in the American league wildcard game, which would be an absolute treat. <laughs> um, but I think that, you know, Boston's doing just enough to, uh, to stick around. Yeah, it's been an interesting last month plus for the Red Sox. They just were, they got off to this sensational start and then they mm-hmm. were carrying it over. It was like, okay, this team's really legit. Yeah. And then they really stumbled about uh, within the last month. I mean, they entered August with 85% playoff odds. Yeah. <laughs> and then they really stumbled for a couple of weeks and it went down to 66%, which is still mm-hmm. good. But all of a sudden you go from like, oh, it's basically certain to, oh, well, there's a one out of three chance it's not happening. Right. <laughs> um, so that was a big hit. And now it's back up to 90%. Um, yeah. as we're about to enter September. So it's been an interesting, I mean, it looked like a few weeks ago, which is why we didn't have in our top 10 last week, that they were teetering mm-hmm. potentially on the edge of a collapse. Yeah. Um, not necessarily like collapse into last place or anything, but collapse <laughs> in terms of just fall out of any playoff hopes and, oh, too bad, you know. And yeah. they, real credit to them for, for pulling it together there. Kyle Schwarber and OPS north of a thousand with the Red Sox and Chris Sale looks like himself. We talked about his return. Uh-huh. He has well, well over a strikeout per inning. He's uh, he's not pitching super deep into games as we expected, but uh-huh. he's looking, looking like himself since his return. And yeah, yeah. Yankees Red Sox uh, AL wildcard game would be really something that would be fun. Oh yeah, absolutely. And speaking of Chris Sale through an immaculate inning in his last start, that's right. uh, the third of his career. Yeah, Only other pitcher yeah. to do that. Any idea? Uh, uh, is it uh, Koufax? Yep, you got it. Oh, Sandy Ooh, Koufax. I, I might have. I think I might have seen the the stat and just like it was in the back of my brain. <laughs> yeah. No. Totally. But uh, so joining some elite company, uh, mm-hmm. not too far removed from. Uh, just coming back onto the scene after missing all of 2020. But then our last team in our top 10, the Cincinnati Reds. Um, and the Reds had a tough series against Milwaukee. Uh, and then they won some games, uh, I think two games out of three against uh, the Marlins. But uh, I bumped him down a spot. I know, Chris, you kept him where you had him last week. Um just a matter of the Red Sox kind of playing themselves back into my top 10. Um, obviously they still sit in that second wild card spot in the national league, but uh, you know, they, they struggled a little bit against Milwaukee who odds are they would match up against if they win that, that wild card game, but uh, you know, not super impressive. I think they still have work to do. Obviously they're going to have yeah. to, hold off the Cardinals for these next two games. And then when they play them again in uh, about 10 days or so, but uh, I think they're good enough to hold that last spot. There's really nobody else that I think was really pressuring them for that 10th spot. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're, you know, they're uh, I think a borderline top 10 team in baseball. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's kind of how I, how I view it as well. I got through my top nine and that was pretty clear. Mm-hmm. And I got to the top to the 10th team and my default thought was, Oh, I'll go with the reds again. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, well, should I consider somebody else? Yeah. Because I wasn't like, I wasn't in love with the idea of, Oh, it has to be the reds. Mm-hmm. But then I looked at the other teams and right. some of the teams who we both have as looking in, well, they haven't done anything to, to deserve to get back in the top 10. 
Exactly. Uh, you know, the A's have dropped six of their last eight games and they're still out of the playoff picture. The Padres still in free fall, mm-hmm. the Blue Jays, Phillies, Mariners, like it's there's you know, they haven't done enough to get themselves into the top 10. So in the end it yeah. was like, well, I guess this is an easy call. Keep the reds here. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact, like you said, that they haven't been great lately, but they've been okay. Yeah. You know, they lost four of their last six, but they won four straight right before that. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually lead the league uh, with the, most home runs hit in August. So that offense has been coming alive. You know, Joey Votto, Castellanos is back and, mm-hmm. and on and on. Yeah. Uh, so the talent is there. I still think, you know, I feel like the Padres, you know, we both have them uh, as our second team looking in mm-hmm. just in terms of a talent perspective, like an upside perspective. I think right. there's no dispute that the Padres have the best upside mm-hmm. if they make the playoffs of making it a deep run, you know, but just I, I think you still have to, to give the Reds, uh, you know, the nod right now in terms of, uh, you know, they could absolutely lose that spot, but mm-hmm. there's no real reason to think that they will based yeah. on the guys that the teams that are right below them. Yeah, I mean, you look at the A's, they haven't they didn't really have a great week. The Padres, right. they've lost eight of their last 10. The Mariners, right. they're just kind of average right now. Yeah, and like you said, there's there's there was really no reason to not have the Reds there, especially right. because they're you know the second wild card team in the National League. And you know, last week I was you know kind of high on the Mariners. I was like, oh, the A's better watch mm-hmm. out. And then they yeah. they've gone and just kind of been okay. So mm-hmm. it's just a lot of you know it, it felt like a pretty average week for a lot of teams nobody really was you know on any kind of a significant tear or you know lost all of the games that they played or anything like that but it's it's uh it's going to be interesting for next week because you know it's 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 that time where if teams are going to go on a run they have to do it now and uh and i think there will be you know a team or two that really uh kind of shifts into September mode where they know they have to win and they have to win now. Absolutely. Absolutely. We've got, uh, you know, from this point forward, I mean, I know I've been saying this for a few weeks, but from this point forward, every week is really going to matter. Like we almost have to recalibrate Mm -hmm. our view of the standings every week from this point on, because we've kind of been at the point where we've looked at them and said, Oh, well, they're only four games back. They could Mm -hmm. maybe make that up. But when you get, and it technically, of course, you can make up five, four games all the way till like the final week of the season. Right. But those gaps that seem like, oh, that's not that big of a deal. As we get down to three weeks left, two weeks left, one right. week left, yep. you have to look at that differently and say, well, four games, if they're not cutting that to two mm-hmm. by the time we get to the final few weeks, then it's unlike, you know, you have to kind of adjust. So right. it's, uh, it's time for teams to, to, make, to really start their push if it's going to happen. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, that is our top ten, uh, and our and our handful of teams looking in uh, for the week. Um, a few shifts, one team going uh, from out to in again, and uh, yeah, we will be back next week with another edition of our power rankings. Mm-hmm. But uh, like we always do, we will look ahead at the week uh, coming up in baseball and highlight any 
you know, significant series or significant matchups or anything like that. And there's a couple, Chris, I have my eye on one of them being uh, Brewers Giants, which I think is going to be very, very interesting. Yes, very much. That's one of the ones I I kind of have like three or four here that kind of caught my eye. And that is definitely one of them. Uh Uh, Brewers Giants, because of course, not that the Brewers are in danger of losing the um, NL Central by any means, but uh, the Giants need to continue to, you know, the Dodgers are right there still and the Mm -hmm. Brewers are a tough opponent. And how do these two teams measure up? Because that might be a playoff matchup. And uh, at some point, Uh, meanwhile, Cardinals Reds continues for the next two days. So of course, we've talked about why that's significant. Um, and then yeah. looking ahead to the weekend, like it's been the last few weeks, there are just a lot of series at this point where it's not particularly thrilling because <laughs> like the Yankees want to win, yes, but they're playing the Orioles, so nobody's too yeah. caught up in that series. But in terms of the ones this weekend that do catch my eye, um, Dodgers-Giants. Dodgers-Giants. Significance mm-hmm. there doesn't need to be explained. <laughs> if you've listened to this far, you know why it's significant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will also add into that. Uh, I had another one here. Where did it go? Um, no, I guess I guess, Oh, okay. A's Blue Jays. No, oh, sure. because the Blue Jays, are a good team, but just they're still fourth best team in that division. Mm-hmm. But they're still holding on to a, basically a 10% shot and making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So they need to win as they're a team that really needs to get it going. Meanwhile, yeah. the A's, like we've talked about, uh, are uh, on the outside looking in on a playoff spot still at this point by a couple games behind yeah. Boston. So significance for both those teams. Yeah, absolutely. A couple of uh, very consequential series coming up for a number of teams uh cardinals brewers also this weekend right right uh which i know will be uh very important for you chris but uh Mm -hmm. that is all the time we have for this week uh got through it in a pretty decent amount of time not too long uh this week but we will start uh start back next week and we will be talking a lot of uh playoff implications and just you know where we think teams are going to end up and uh it's getting to that time where it's going to be uh you know games mean a lot especially for teams uh that are battling for for position to try and make the playoffs yeah yeah this is this is it um you know a lot of mlb fans that that tune in for the play are a lot of casual sports fans that, that tune in for the playoffs but honestly and of course that's the thrilling time, but there's, this is still a, a September is really, really fun because I mean, obviously it kind of goes without saying, but you know, it's just, it's a really exciting time because the stakes are so high and all of a sudden a season where, yeah, there's 162 regular season games, but now we're looking at, you know, there are teams that are three games apart and all that matters is can you close the gap in a month? I mean, that, that's what it all comes down to here for, for teams. So it's a lot of fun. Absolutely. And we're absolutely looking forward to it. We'll be, we will be back next week uh, with another edition of the show. But until then, watch some baseball, uh, pick a favorite team if you haven't already, uh, or jump on a bandwagon if your team is completely out of it. So uh, until then, we will talk to you next week and uh, have a good night, everybody.